Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night cheer. This week's year, as every week, is dedicated to the Nishmas, Rachman Yaakov, and Tzvi Hir Shalom Shalom, and Bachevachana, Shalom Bas, Badrachayim, Abavram Shikhe. Okay, I don't know how to work this. Um, this Shabbos. This Shabbos, Mi Hashem is Parshas Tazia and Metzeda. The two Parshas together, as we know. Today is a Shchidish Iyar. Iyar Rashtavis, Ani Hashem Refecha. Iyar Rashtavis, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, Rachel Yitzchak Yaakov, and Rivka. Or, simplest way, the Four Ovis, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov and Rebbe. Shredish Ir also is a day that I have to make another dedication to, which is the outside of Rabbi Shalomei Hakayin, Rabbi Shalomei Rabbi Hakayin, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather. We've spoken about many times before. On his yard site, his yard site tends to come out on Wednesday night quite often, apparently. Um, of course, we know tonight, for those who have my ready encounter, the Amir tonight is the 16th day of the Amir. 49 days are counted between Pesach and Shavuos. And the Tater tells us in Vayikra, chapter 23, verse 15, and you should count for yourselves. So, Usafartem Lochem is a mitzvah sasei, mina a mitzvah that the Tater gives us. What does Sfirah Seymer mean to us? What is the actual Avreda? The actual task that we need to do during the days, during the weeks, during the actual months of Sfirah Seymer. And what brings this all about? Days of Yerushalayim are days of Avelos. Morning. 
We are mourning the, the, the death of the passing of the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva as they passed away during these days. The Gemara tells us, for those keeping score at home, Masechtes Yevomus, the Samach Beis Amit Beis, sixty-two, side two. Ah, okay. So now I got to add. Let's see if this works. Hope it does. Afraid it? Oh, it did. I don't see the person I added. I will now. Coming up on the screen. Okay. Welcome, Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for fixing your Skype. Okay, I don't have your video. That's okay. The Talmud and Akiva passed. Covid there we are. Welcome aboard. They did not respect one another. And therefore they passed away during these forty nine days. And the form of mourning, we don't take haircuts during the 49 days. We don't make weddings during these 49 days. We don't listen to music. There are those that hold it, and as far as it is to be, that it was 33 days actually that the passing. They passed away in the course of 33 days. And therefore, there are those that keep only 33 days of Eimer, which is usually from the beginning until like Eimer. Some keep others. Some work it differently from Rishchidish Ir. Like told us a shout out, happy anniversary to the uh, my niece and nephew, the uh, Franks who got married tonight. On Rishchidish, it's not enough though that we mourn the passing of the students of Rabbi Akiva. It's an obligation that we have to fix this actual behavior, this behavior that was lacking honor, respect for one another. And therefore, during this time, it is obviously, in order to counteract the e-COVID, to counteract the lack of Avas Yisrael, we need to add in Avas Yisrael, especially between others, between friends, people, so that we compensate for what happened in those days. How does it come 
students of Rabbi Akiva disrespecting one another. The Almighty created the world. HaKadosh Baruch creates the world. Every creation, every person in the world ain't the Yisei and Shabbos. Give me a score at home. It's the Gemara Brachis Nunches Amar Aleph 58 side 1. And again in Sanhedrin Lamed Ches Amar Aleph 38 side 1. That the world is created, the people are ain't the Yisei and Shabbos. They don't think, nobody thinks alike. And therefore, because everyone has their own opinion, shall we say it, it is capable, people are capable of disrespecting one another. When one person has one opinion, and another person voices another opinion, it is easy for the other person to say, the fact that he is not honoring my opinion shows what kind of hoo-ha-ha-ha. Truth to be told, we're dealing with the students of Rabbi Akiva. So we need to really wrap our heads around this, we say, that they could not see eye to eye. They did not have, they had opinions that were so very different one from the other that they couldn't even coexist. So much so that this Maklik has got so severe that 24,000 students die because of this. But the fact of the matter is that HaKadosh Baruch did not create the people in in order they should be Maklikis. There's a mission that tells us The jealousy of smart people adds intelligence, adds, enhances study of Torah. Because when one is jealous how the other person is, is thriving and working and diligently studying, they too apply themselves in that way. So when a person works, toils to understand and to learn something, they derive and they come to a point, they come to a chachma, they come to a level where they get a very, very in-depth understanding. Give me the picture. So when they sat as Talmidim Rabbi Akiva and they heard a shear from Rabbi Akiva you can use the, do the experiment on your own you don't have to be a student of Rabbi Akiva you can be a mundane, regular person go to a course of any kind a lecture on Shalom Bayes a lecture on business etiquette and you will hear 
something totally different than your neighbor. Something totally different. The person, the speaker says X, Y, and Z. And to you, it means X, Y, and Z. And to your neighbor, it meant A, B, and C. They heard the very words and they didn't misconstrue the words necessarily. But the message that came to them was not the same message that came to you. And you can't understand. How can you not understand? Did you not hear the rabbis say? And the person says, yes, I heard him. But the rabbi meant? says, no, don't be foolish. The Rebbe meant, and it was all touching out and all living with the words. They lived with the words of Rabbi Akiva. But everyone felt that they understood the words of Rabbi Akiva better than their Chavar did. And this is therefore the obligation of every single person. One needs to purify. One needs to refine their nature, his seichel, their midas, and to clean themselves, cleanse themselves from all personal agendas. One needs to totally throw themselves into the truth, the teda, and thereby the other person's opinion will not disturb him, the other person's opinion will not bother him. Because I am living with my machshav, I am living my way, I am living my Aveda. I understand that I need to dive in chakras for two and a half hours. That doesn't mean that the other person who doesn't understand that is doing something wrong. He's coming and davening with a minion. He davens in 25 minutes. Ashrechem. You were able to accomplish in 25 minutes what I accomplished in two and a half. I don't say, ah, you nebuch, you misken what you are. You can't nearly accomplish what you did in a half hour, what I accomplished in my two and a half. In order to coexist with your fellow man, you accomplished in your 25 minutes what takes me two and a half hours. This is therefore the general concept of Svira Sa'ima, the days of Svira. Sphira comes from the word sapir, a stone, a beautiful stone. We require from the person that they should shine in these days. They should purify. They should cleanse their nature, their essence. And a person needs to see to it that they devote everything that they can to be able to say that they should ultimately accomplish in what they actually exist for. And not only to not see it, but to help turn over what they see wrong in their friend. And help them accomplish as well what they're they're needed to do.
also the days of Sfira stress another point. Even if in the past you did behave in disrespectfully, like was by the Talmidei Rabbi Akiva, don't give up. You can fix this through Sfira, through adding of light, through adding peace, through adding unity between one and another. Teda was given Leman HaSholim for peace. And we can say perhaps this is also one of the reasons for the custom of learning Pirkei Oves during these weeks. We learn as we spoke last week between Pesach and Shavuos, many Chabadists to learn throughout the summer, the every week a Pirkei of Pirkei Oves. What is Pirkei Oves? This tells us the Musar and the Midas, tells us how to act, how to refine oneself, how to live and coexist. And this ultimate purification, this elevation, leads us as a preparation to Matanteda of Chagashvuas. And therefore, since the Teda was given in order to make peace in the world, we need to unite the world with Kedusha, with holiness, and do this with one crea- creation, one with the other. So before we accept the Teda, before we go to Kabbalah Sateda from the Maila, we need to prepare ourselves to greet it through the pu'ula of receiving the, of actus and of elevation and of personal cleansing from here below. And this will bring us to the ge'ula amitis rashlema bekarev mamish. We are also We are also, the date, as we said, is a Shredish year. So therefore, Friday is Bay's year. Bay's year is the Emeletus of the Rebbe Maharash. Each Rebbe had his motto. I won't call it a slogan, but a way, a, a thought process of which he lived by. The Reb Marash would say, other people say, if you can't go over, go under. I, says the Reb Marash, say, Lechatchila Ariber. No. If you can't go under, go over, it wouldn't make sense that much, but it would technically sound that way. But some people who try to go different ways, different directions, the Marash says, Start with, to begin with, a person needs to go over. The famous story of the Reb Marash, a chassid, that had an inn, 
And it wasn't exactly prime real estate. There was no Jews around. He had to hire Malamed for his children. There was no one to talk to. There was no one to coexist with. But the peasants liked him. And he got along well with everybody, and therefore he was able to exist and support his inn. He had, unfortunately, one unhappy camper. Don't we all? The Galach, of course. The priest. Stefan. Nice Russian name. And Stefan was very determined to close down this Jew. Not only this Jew would drive all Jews out of the region. And he would constantly go on and on, tirades, streets. And he had a mouthpiece. He went as far as opening his own tavern. So that he would drive the, other, the Jew out of business. But the, <laughs> what he didn't realize was that people were supposed to respect him. Out of respect to their father, to the priest, they wouldn't sit and get drunk in front of him. So, they wouldn't use his in. they stayed in the Jew. So he wasn't affecting the Jew at all, and he came to one point, he decided to try to buy the Jew out, to drive him out of town. And the Jew refused to sell. Stefan says, you know what, you're right. You shouldn't be selling, I shouldn't be pushing this for you. Let's make peace. Enough, I drive finding you enough. And Stefan told the Jew, in order to celebrate our peace, I want you to bring out the finest bottle of vodka you have. I'm paying for it. Here's a few gold coins. And we'll celebrate. We'll say the Chaim together. We'll celebrate our new peace. The Jew is almost ecstatic. Finally get this guy off his case. Have him on his side. Have him an ally. What could be better? But, obviously, Stefan had a better plan. As he opens the bottle, he says to him, you know what? Listen here. Why celebrate alone? Let's let the people, let's let the peasants see that we're celebrating. Bring in a few peasants also. We should say the Chaim with them too. And so innocently Stefan ran out. In the meantime, Stefan opens the bottle. The chassid ran out. And Stefan sat with the bottle. He opened it up and poured in some poison into the bottle. And he closed it back again. When the chassid came back with the peasants, they poured a shot for everyone around the house for the peace treaty and the first guy, the first peasant that slapped down a shot immediately passed out everybody screaming horror Stefan jumps up tells everybody don't drink, don't drink and he checks and lo and behold the man is dead and he says give a cookie starts to scream get the police here look what this Jew did he killed this person Needless to say, it didn't look good for the Jew. 
And so, the Jew was arrested, his family were taken hostages, collateral, because the Jew ultimately was released on his own whatever, or bail, whatever it was, to prepare for his court case for his trial. As a chassid of the Rebbe Marash, the only preparation he could possibly think of was going to the Rebbe. So immediately he traveled to the Rebbe and he told the Gabbai of the Rebbe Marash of the dire situation. And the Gabbai went into the Rebbe and the Rebbe told him, Tell him I'm busy. There are people with other pressing issues that have Yechidah's appointments before him. Come back tomorrow. And tomorrow he told him the next day and the third day and the fourth day. The Chassid was getting, shall we say, antsy. It would be an understatement. The Chassid was getting petrified. What was going to become now? The Rebbe is not seeing him. Why? What happened? And he's got to get back for the court case already. And the next morning as he arrived, Shamas told him, Gabbai told him, told him quickly the Rebbe is waiting for you Chassid puts on his gartel quickly and he runs inside to the Rebbe Marash and the Rebbe Marash puts down a bunch of gold coins says go home quick go to the train and go first class Chassid saw that it's the end of the Yechidus the Rebbe had nothing else to tell him. So he promptly backs out of the room, runs to the train station with his thousand fill in his hand, just barely catches the train, buys the first class ticket, and goes into the first class compartment. And their rooms, each one has a little room, a little booth. And he's sitting in his room and he says, okay, it's time to put on thousand fill to daven. But how could he possibly daven? He's sitting in his thousand fill crying, bawling like a baby. The Rebbe didn't give him a bracha, the Rebbe didn't give him advice, the Rebbe didn't tell him anything. And he's crying and he's crying and all of a sudden he hears a knock on the door. He doesn't hear the knock on the door. There's a knock on the door. And there's a knock on the door and the guy hears somebody crying, he's not stopping. He opens the door and he sees this Jew wrapped in a saw in his white shawl with a box on his head. And he says, hey, excuse me, what's going on? And he says, nothing, nothing, he's crying, he's crying, he's nothing, he's crying. what's happening, what's happening? Finally, at this point in time, the other compartments also opened up, and there were five people standing there. And the Jew starts to pour out his story, his sorry story. How Stefan tricked him, poisoned the vodka, and now he's stuck, and the Jew is and the, he's going to court now, and they're going to kill him. So they said, listen buddy, we don't know anything about Stefan, we don't know about you, just cry quietly please, because you're disturbing us. Ba'ayim, and he came to the court. And the judges are sitting in their big robes, with their wigs on their heads, down to their eyes, you can't barely see their eyes. This is probably one of the intimidating factors to gain respect when that anvil hit the, hit the table 
and one witness after the other gets up to testify and to tell the story of how they witnessed the Jew serving vodka that killed the peasant. Then it was time for the star witness himself, Stefan, to tell his testimony. And Stefan gets up and he starts to say, I came in, I was sitting there, and I saw the Jew must have served poison to the guy, and the guy drank and died. Well, Sifka, take this to them. Don't look at it. Well, the judges looked at Stefan and said, Excuse us, Father Stefan. What are you talking about? This is not the story you told us last night. They said, Last night? Last night, said Stefan. What are you talking about last night? So this is not the story you told us last night. So I didn't tell you any stories last night. And all the judges simultaneously took off their wigs. And they said, Now do you recognize us? We were in your house last night. And you were drinking, celebrating the death of this Jew. And we let you drink. And then you started, as the liquor went in, the secrets came out. And you started spilling your story. And you told us how you poisoned the vodka. But now as the Chassid looked at the judges, he too recognized them. They were his fellow passengers on the train that they'd ever put him on in first class. They're the ones that ever that he told the story to, all about what Stefan had done. And therefore, they understood that they should investigate the story. And investigate they did indeed. And when they investigated, they found out that indeed Stefan was a faker, was a liar, and a murderer, and the chassid was innocent. This shows an example of the Reb Marash Lechatchila River. He didn't have to show him he's giving him a bracha. He didn't have to show him he's giving him advice. Adirava, if he would have given advice and he would have given a bracha, Chassid would have gone much lighthearted. He would have been lighthearted, he would have been happy. He wouldn't have been sitting and crying in his car. And if he wouldn't have been crying, he wouldn't have gotten the attention of the judges. A couple of rape judges. So on the day of a Yemaledis, on the day of a birthday, as in a Shama, on a yard site, gets higher and higher on each year of the Neshama,
of the outside. On a birthday, a birthday is worthless. Sorry? Yeah. A birthday really, in essence, is worthless. Because when a baby is born, he's a baby. Some of them are cute, some of them look like E.T. But they're, they're babies. And everybody kuchikus the baby. And nobody sees anything spectacular about this baby, this infant. When the baby turns over the first time, when the baby starts to say a word or two, oh, how cute, how smart, how advanced this baby is. He turned over a 13 hours before a regular baby turns over. And he did this and he did that. Oh, wow, wow, wow. The child, the baby is a, is a phenomenon, a phenom. But still, we don't have reason to celebrate. When it comes to the end of the first year, yes, we celebrate the birthday. The child has completed a year on this world. Only when the child, the Rahman al passes, or the man who grows up passes away. Only then do we do a inventory. Do we check up and we see what did this person accomplish? And when we see the person's accomplishments in this world, and we see how much the person did for the world, then we say, Ashe Yeladati. Then we say how fantastic this child was born. How special it is that this child was born. Mm-hmm. Because look what this child now did for Klal Yisrael. Needless to say, this is a tremendous, tremendous thing. Only by Yemalet, only at that point do we see, as we see now, in retrospect, the greatness of the birth of the Reb Maharaj. Because now, that we see all that Reb Maharaj did for mankind, for Yiddishkeit, now we can see what it was that we praise on the day of his birth. What it is that we say how great, how much we merited to have such a neshama in this world. And therefore, we celebrate now truly his birthday because now we know and see the input that the Rebbe has given and put and given to us in our existence. Let us return to the Parsha. If you keep your score at home, we're going back to Masech to Sanhedrin. Tzadik Ches Amir Aleph, 98, side 1.
we'll let you get your Gemara. Because we're going to read about a discussion, a conversation On Sadi Ches Amir Aleph, 98 side 1. The Yamada tells us of a conversation that took place between Eliyahu Anavi and Yeshua ben Levi. The conversation is regarding the whereabouts of Mashiach. If Yeshua ben Levi asks Eliyahu Anavi, where would Mashiach be? Elio tells him Mashiach can be found at the entrance of the city of Rome. According to some different ways of translating the words of the text, he said he was sitting among the poor and the sickly. It's on the bottom of Amr Aleph. goes on to the side too. <coughs> and Rashi explains later the sickly not a leadership this. The sickly refers to the people suffering from Tzeras. And that Mashiach himself is also a Mitzayda. A person afflicted with Tzeras. So, the first question we ask on this Gemara. Did you find this Gemara or not? You found the conversation? You got the page. Alright, there we go. Why is Mashiach a Metzeder? The Tater makes reference to the Tzeras. It's in a an affliction in the skin of his flesh. It's not a disease of the flesh itself. It's something that's on the flesh. And the Alter explains, a person can only develop tzaras, listen carefully, when he has eradicated his deep internal character flaws. Only then will Saras come to the surface. When the person is totally pure on the inside. Therefore, the Saras and his shortcomings are only superficial. They're above the skin. Or just skin deep. They're blemishes only. It's a whole different story, his Tzeras. <laughs> Paris Tzeras was a total different story. And therefore the Altarev explains that today Tzeras is virtually non-existent. Because people that have 
no internal imperfections are difficult to find. So now we understand why the Gemara tells us, identifies Mashiach as, as Metzedah, someone suffering from Tzeras. Mashiach's condition of Tzeras reflects the collective state of the Jewish nation. In our final days of Golas, our final days of exile. Because throughout the generations, the Jewish nation is pounded and pounded and pounded again and again, and they refined more and more. And this week they celebrated, they celebrated, I don't know how do you call it, this week was called, one day was called Yom HaShoah. funny, ironic I met somebody on Monday and he asked me in Hebrew Numasita Yom HaShoah I asked him he asked him what I did on Yom HaShoah I asked him what is it so what do you mean what is it it's a day that we commemorate the, the, the Holocaust I found it comical and he says, what's the problem? I said, the non-Jews have a day they call once a year Thanksgiving. The non-Jews have one day a year they call Father's Day. A day they call Mother's Day. So I would guess that Father's Day we remember our fathers. Mother's Day we remember our mothers. And Thanksgiving we remember God. One day a year. Meiradik. Beautiful. Amazing. One day a year. We say, every single day. Every day we say it. No such thing as one day. I said to this fellow, it's imperative on each and every Jew alive today that they have Yom Azikaron for the Shoah every single day of their lives. We may not wake up in the morning or go to sleep at night or do anything during the day without remembering what happened to the six million Jews. I didn't say sit and cry over it. But to remember it, to know, understand that this was a purification, a sacrifice done on our behalf. So now in the final days of the, of the Golos, Mashiach, who is Neshama Kloli, the collective soul, is like the Mitzedah. Because the deficiencies are only superficial by him. For the Jewish nation is a matter of moments until we perfect even these final details and merit the complete and final redemption. Take a slight detour as we do, as we said during the weeks of Svira. We learn a little bit in Pirkei Aves, and we learn a little bit in Mesech Seita. Focusing on this week's Perek, Perek Sheni, Mishnah Yud Aleph. The 11th Mishnah, Perek Sheni, Perek Beis, Pirkei Aves. Rabbi Yeshua Eimer. Rabbi Yeshua said, 
Ayin hara, v'yetzahara. Having a bad, a stingy, jealous eye, or fulfilling the temptations of the Yetzirah, the sinas habriyes, and hating of people for no reason, no reason that you personally have to hate the person. You can say the person is despicable because they did X, Y, and Z, but they never did X, Y, and Z with you or to you or anything in which way, form, or fashion. And therefore, as despicable as they may be, you may not hate them. But these three things, Ayin Hara, Yetzahara, Vesin Esabriyes, Maitziyin Esa'adam Mina'ilam, take the person, remove the person, they drive him from the world. These three things that Yeshua quotes are very closely intertwined. Ayin Hara. Ayin Hara, Yetzahara, and Sinasabriyes. When a person sees his friend's good fortune, the Yetzahara tries to get him to look at the person with a bad eye. Why do you have and I don't? Why are you so well off and I'm not? And he tries to arouse jealousy in the person. And the Yetzirah ultimately succeeds sometimes. And what happens? The person ends up hating all those that are more fortunate than he, what he thinks. And this can literally drive a person from the world. Because he'll never have peace, joy in his life. Because every time he sees anybody that he thinks is more fortunate than he, he's kills himself, he eats himself up alive <coughs> so therefore you need to understand that ayin hara has to be ayin tev you need to have a good eye you need to fargin mefargen you need to be happy for somebody when they have something when they have a child when they make a wedding when they win a lottery when they buy a house, whenever the, whatever the situation, anything good that happens for a fellow Jew, we need to be happy for them and with them. In the previous Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua said he found one of the most important things for a person's life. Um... A good friend. And a person that this mission is talking about can never be a good friend. We know the second base English was destroyed because of Sinaschinam senseless hatred between one Jew and another. And therefore, to counteract that, as we said before, in the days of Svira, we need to have avaschinam. We need to love a fellow Jew for no reason whatsoever. Even if you don't think or feel this Jew should be hated, loved or looked at positively, positively, we should find it within our hearts 
and thereby bringing Mashiach. And a person, unfortunately, that hates other people can no can never coexist. Not with a friend, not a mentor. He sees everybody's flaws. And therefore, he can never lead a satisfying life. Because a person without a friend and without a mentor cannot leave, lead a satisfying life. Rabbi Yeshua himself was known. He was famous. His, his lifestyle. He was very pleasant. He had a very pleasant demeanor. He never had any hard feelings and ill feelings towards anybody. People loved him. People would say about his mother, Asher Yeladatay. And therefore he says, keep positive. We know that Rebbeir Premishlana, who is the Rebbe Premishlan, once had somebody come to him and say to him, Rebbe, I have a problem. Somebody opened a business in my town, the exact same business as mine. I'll have no parnasa. And Rebbeir asked him, my friend, did you ever notice when the horse goes to the river to drink water? He bends down and he's about to drink and he starts to bang his hoof. Do you know why he's banging with his hoof? Because he sees another horse in the water. He doesn't know it's his reflection. He's a fed. He sees another horse in the water and he's worried the horse is going to drink all the water before him. So he bangs his hoof to scare away the other horse so that all the water will, come, will stay by him. So the mayor Premishan told this person the same thing. Panos is from Hashem. Nobody's taking that away from you. Yeshua ben Hanani was one of the greatest students of Rabbi Yechonim and Zakai. And we said that his mother used to bring him to the Bismarck as an infant to hear the words of Teda. Yeshua himself was a levy and he sang in the Bismarck. Although he was one of the greatest Chacham at the time, he used to work as a blacksmith. This grace, the biggest of the Chacham. After Rabbi Yechonim and Zakai passed away, Rabbi Shua became Avbezn. He knew all 70 languages. He also was very well versed in witchcraft. And therefore the, all the heretics and everybody used to debate with him and he used to wipe the floor with them. Rabbi Shua and Rabbi Lezer were the primary teachers of Rabbi Akiva. He wasn't a very good-looking person, though. Physical appearance. And the story is told when the emperor's daughter met him. She said to him, <laughs> "Such great wisdom in such an ugly vessel." <laughs> and he answered, "Doesn't your father keep wine in an earthenware vessel?" <laughs> he said, "What should he keep it in?" You're nobles, you should keep it in silver, gold. She told her father this, and the emperor started to laugh. What? On the table in a black bag. Very good. Started to laugh because everything goes sour in gold and silver, and only preserves properly.
Therefore she realized Teda is like wine. Wisdom is like wine. And therefore the vessel is not the vessel that you think should be, but rather the vessel that Hashem wants to have. Focus a little bit on Masech Seita. We did the same last year, I'm not sure. Discussing the Mishnah in an earlier stage, not on Daf Tazayin, unfortunately, back on Daf Yud still, or Tesamit Beis, where the Mishnah talks the story of Shimshon Agiber. Shimshon Agiber brought about tremendous spirituality, tremendous condition of the world. And yet the sins that he was culpable of brought about his demise. His eyes looked where they shouldn't. The Navi tells us how he looked after, and it was his eyes that brought him to see the women of Plishtim, and therefore his eyes were poked out of his head in his death, before his death. And so on and so forth, the different trials and tribulations that Shimshon Agiba was put through where ultimately he calls out and he says and one of the famous acts of Shimshon Agiba was the capturing of of the 300 foxes and he took the foxes to destroy the crops of the Plishtim and he tied their tails together and he put torches, lit torches in between them. And one of the reasons that tells us the foxes is because the foxes would run backwards also. So they were running back and forth through the fields, torching the, torching the entire fields of the Plishtim. But the strength of Shimshon Agiber was in his purity. A Nazir Lashem. A Nazirite. And by being a Nazir, by being totally devoted and dedicated to the words of Teda from the mother, mother's womb. Therefore, it was His Holiness that reigned over the nations for, 20, for 40 years, although He only reigned for 422. It says for 40 years, because for 40 years, 20 years thereafter, they still, if you mention the word Shimshin, Everybody ran for their dear lives. So Shimshin's reign ultimately stayed on the nations for 40 years. Just return one more moment to a very interesting point in the Pasha. And with this we will conclude. The Pasuk tells us, when you'll come to Canaan, the land of Canaan, and there'll be tzeras in the walls of your house, it's not necessarily, says Rashi, a misfortune. In fact, it's something to anticipate. Rashi bases on the Medish where it says that the hidden golden treasures by the Amaroim the Amorites, the Amorim, not the Amorim, the Amorim, 
they hid all their golden treasures in the 40 years the Jews, the Jews were in the desert. And now, when the Tzeras was in the wall of the house, and you broke out the wall, you found the treasures. The nation, Canaan, had seven different nations in it. But Rashi chooses to talk about the Amorim. Why the Amorim's homes? According to the Chassidus, each one of the seven nations of Menei drove out of the land of Canaan. is a different negative character trait that a person needs to eradicate from within themselves. Amorites, Emer, comes from the word speaking. Omar. Excessive chatter. Lashon Hara. Too much talking. And therefore, for this, people were warned not to speak derogatorily about others, not from the talking of the wicked, nothing. A person should not talk about other people. So therefore lies here the profound message. What were the golden treasures, specifically in the walls of the Amorites, Because although speaking is so difficult to see to it that it stays pure and that you don't say something wrong about somebody else, there's a hidden resource and treasure in each word. And if a person uses the power of speech for good, they can accomplish so much more. And therefore, by using the words of Teda and the speaking wisdom of Teda and speaking good and speaking nicely to a fellow Jew, one can see, can accomplish so much more, more in the world it, that would represent the golden treasures that were hidden within the walls. And may we merit to find and to see the golden treasures and the Mitzayda should be healed. The Mitzayda being Mashiach Tzidkenu and the birth of the Jewish nation and Yishikah would take place on this very Shabbos and the Schus of the Chathila Ribet and we should merit to be this Shabbos in Yerushalayim in HaKadosh with Mashiach Tzidkenu. Shabbat Shalom to all.